Would you turn please to Matthew again, scripture we've been looking at all week, and I'm more stirred up about it now than when we started. <laughs> That's how it works, isn't it? You, the more you see, the more excited you get, the more you want to see, and then you see even more, you get even more excited, and, and the thing is, it, it never ends with God, because he, he never runs out. There will never be a time, even a million years from now, there will never be a time when God looks at us and says, that's all, folks. <laughs> With him, the Bible said throughout the ages to come, he was going to show to us the exceeding riches of his grace. Won't that be wonderful? Never ending. Never ending. It's hard to wrap your head around that, but that's who your heavenly Father is. In Matthew 11 and 28, Jesus, his own words, he said, Come to me, all that labor and are heavy loaded, and I will give you rest. Don't you appreciate that? Who, who is this for? All that are laboring and weary and pressured and heavy loaded. And he said he would give us, any of us, all of us, rest. Verse 29, take my yoke. Everybody say his yoke. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Learn about me. What are we to learn, Master? That I am meek and lowly, other translations say gentle and humble in heart. Of all the things he could have said here when he said, learn about me, learn who I am, learn what I am. He could have talked about righteousness. He could have talked about holiness. He could have talked about power. He could have talked about wisdom, any one of a thousands of things. But this is the key to getting de-stressed and getting unloaded and getting released and relieved and rested and restored and rejuvenated. Does it sound good to anybody? What's the key? Well, you got to come to him and then you got to learn about who he is. Well, what would that have to do with you getting released and relieved, learning about who and what he is? Well, our next verse talks about it, about who gets the grace. If he is helping you to get the stress off of you and the burdens and all that kind of stuff, how many can see that is his help? That is his grace. Uh, part of the grace of God is his help, and that's in so many areas. He said, read the verse again, he said, uh, take my yoke, and this is, this is to be distinguished from all kinds of other yokes that are out there. His yoke uh, upon you, learn of me, I am meek and lowly, gentle and humble in heart, you shall find rest to your souls. In other words, when you do this, Verse 30, for my yoke, again he emphasized it, mine, not all yokes, my yoke is easy 
and my burden is light. So if you've got a heavy, heavy load, it's not his load. You didn't get it from him. If you're yoked to something that's really, really hard, that's not his yoke. This is major revelation right here. Right? You, if, you, if you've been talking for months and years about how hard it is, you got the wrong yoke. You have let the enemy hitch your wagon to some stuff you're not supposed to be hooked to. If it's so heavy, so heavy, so heavy, it's the wrong burden. If it's so hard, it's the wrong yoke. This is worthy of meditation. Because there are Christians, you know, good-hearted people that love the Lord all over the world that are absolutely fatigued, worn out, stressed out of their minds. And a bunch of what people are doing, they think they're doing it for the Lord. That's the subtlety and the trickery of the devil himself. He transforms himself into an angel of light. Tries to convince you things that he's bringing you are from God. He does it all the time. And sadly, he's been far too successful in doing it. Look in uh, James, if you would. James 4 and verse 6. It says, well, we'll read this in in the Amplified also here. James 4, 6. He gives more and more grace. Don't you like that? That's in the Amplified. He gives us more and more grace. Come on, somebody say that out loud. He gives me more and more grace. Come on, you need to say that again. He gives me more and more grace. And that is why he says God sets himself against the proud and haughty, but gives grace continually to the lowly, and and the Amplified as those who are humble enough to receive it. See, you're not going to get help from God if you say you don't need any help. That you can handle it on your own. Then you're not going to get help. And this is something that, you know, some have not wanted to acknowledge. Not everybody is experiencing God's grace. The proud don't experience God's grace. Now, that's contrary to what some people teach. But I read scripture. Did I or did I not? What happens with proud people? They don't get grace. They get resisted. Did I read the Bible? And this is not just an isolated place. The Bible said in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let everywhere. Here's another witness. Go to 1 Peter 5. 1 Peter 5, the exact same phrase. And of course, these are two different individuals. James, Spirit of God speaking through James. And now the Spirit of God speaking through Peter. This is two witnesses. 1 Peter 5 and 5. Five, five, you younger, submit yourselves to the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with 
humility. Why, why should we want to do that? For, because God resists the proud. Man, that's reason enough to identify pride and quit it. Isn't it? That alone is reason enough. But not only do the proud get resisted, but they don't get the help. He gives grace to the humble. Hallelujah. Verse 6, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God. Now who's the understood subject here? Who's going to do this? Only you can humble you. You have to humble yourself. Under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Does that sound good to anybody? That he may what? That he may what? He wants to exalt you. Oh, see, folks didn't even answer that one. They're like, mm, it don't sound right. He's not opposed to your being exalted. He's opposed to you doing it. <laughs> He's opposed to self-exaltation. He said, I'll do it. And if you read the other scriptures, he will do it in due season which is almost always later than your flesh would have done it. (laughs) He'll do it the right way, the right time, when you can handle it, when it won't take you away from him. How many know he's not going to do something for you that'll take you away from him? That would be hurting you, not helping you. (laughs) Read it again. That last verse, humble yourselves, therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Verse 7, casting all your care. Now stop right here. Can you see this in our text in Matthew? Can you see this? Why would Jesus say, learn of me because I'm humble? And right here, humble yourself. And the very next verse, cast all your care. You you can't just not worry. You can't just not be afraid. If you've got big problems around you, you can't just say, I mean, you know, looks looks like something's about to destroy you or your family or It looks like you're about to go under. You can't just say, well, okay, no big deal. I'm not going to be afraid. And the bulldozer is pushing in the house, you know. You have to replace the fear. Come on, can you see that? You you have to have something else in you, which is faith, that will push the fear out of you. Just deciding I'm not going to worry, I'm not going to be afraid, Without something else being in you, it doesn't work. You'll still wind up thinking about the problem and being afraid. But uh, part of getting free from the worry is that you acknowledge, I am not the Savior. I'm not the provider. I can't fix everything. I don't know everything. And without his help, I won't make it. 
But praise God, I'm not without his help. And with enough of his help, I can do anything. With enough of his help, I can come out of anything. I can come over anything. But it's only by his grace help. Can you see that that is, what, what did I just get through talking about? I'm humbling myself under the mighty hand of God. I'm saying, I'm counting on you, Big Daddy. I'm counting on you, Great Father. I'm counting on you. I know I can't do it by myself. You know, that's not just trying to be humble. That's being honest, which is true humility. Oh, can you see it? The Lord's helping us. He's helping us. Oh, praise God, praise God, praise God. Said out loud, I, I humble myself under the mighty hand of God. And he will lift me up. Hallelujah. In God's things, the way up is down. What do you mean? Jesus humbled himself even to taste death, the death of the cross, which is, I mean, today that's like going to the gas chamber. It was the death for the worst criminals. And he did it, and now because he did that, humbled himself to that extent, he has now been exalted above every name that is named. Come on, can you see? He went as low as is possible to go. He went from heaven to earth to the cow stall and, and then to the cross and into the heart of the earth. And now he has been exalted above all principality and power and might and dominion and is set down at the right hand of majesty. There is no higher. But before honor was humility. Can you see this, child of God? And nobody's above the master. If that's the way the master did it, that's the way it'll work for us. Thank God. The one who is, we saw this earlier, we'll see it again tonight, I believe. The Lord pointed out to me as a boy, Numbers 12, 3, that the man Moses was meek above or more than all the people that were on the face of the earth. And the Lord pointed out to me, he said, did you notice that? He's more humble than anybody on the planet in his generation. I thought, I see that. And then he went on to say, do you also realize he was the most used man of me in his generation? I think that's beyond dispute. How many would agree Moses was the most used man of God? Is that a coincidence that he is the most humble man on the planet and the most used man of God on the planet? It is not. Now, how many think Paul could have been? Apart from Jesus, you know, Paul could have been the most used man in his generation. Would you think that's a possibility? Read some scripture and see if there's any connection 
on what we're talking about here. Go with me. Praise God. Ephesians 3 and the first verse. Ephesians 3 and 1. The Spirit of God through Paul. He said, for this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if you've heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, and he goes on to talk about it. Verse 7, he said, uh, I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effectual working of his power unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. There's so much phoniness in religion, there's so much fake humility around, that when people read this, they don't believe that Paul really meant that. Was he being phony? Or more importantly, was it just him talking here, or was the Holy Spirit speaking through him? Well, you know the Holy Spirit's not being phony. Did he really see himself this way? Less than the least of all saints. But y'all are too quiet. Somebody said, well, no, Brother Keith. He's the righteousness of God in Christ. Those last two words. Those last two words. You must emphasize. In him. Not in Paul. Not in you. We have learned a few in him truths. But people have forgotten the in you truths. In him I can do all things through Christ. Through Christ. Through Christ. Through Christ. Through Christ Christ, who strengthens me. In myself I can do nothing. That's a quote from Jesus. Is that right? If it was true with the master, it's certainly going to be true with you and me. Is it true that I can of myself do nothing? Is it true that I've been made the righteousness of God in Christ? But what about me? My righteousness is as filthy rags. Unacceptable to God. Do you see what I'm talking about? In me, I am unable, unacceptable, ignorant, weak. Now see, the flesh don't want to acknowledge that. But I'm talking about being used of God and having more and more grace. Come on, did you see the scripture? More, another way to say that, more and more revelation. More and more anointing. More and more favor. More and more help. More and more strength. How's it going to come? With more and more humility. 
Go, go to 1 Corinthians, 15th chapter. Am I reading the scripture? New Testament. Is that right? Scriptures. Do you understand the difference between in him truths and in you reality? <laughs> but you see, you'll hear people dropping things like, I can do all things. I can do all things. No, you can't. Don't leave off those last two words. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 15, 9. Well, let's read verse 8. This uh, Verse 8. Last of all, he said, he was seen of me. He's talking about when he, saw, he met the Lord on the road to Damascus. Remember, he was blinded temporarily and had quite an experience. As one born out of due time. Verse 9, for I am... The least of the apostles. Now you got you got to get your mind renewed, because religious thinking will look at that and go, "Isn't that sweet?" You know, look how humble Paul was. He was, but you don't believe it. You're imagining that he knew how great he was, but he wasn't going to accept the credit he knew he deserved. He and he's going to be humble. And say, oh, it's, it's not me. It's not me. I mean, it is, but it's not. <laughs> really. That's phony. That's junk. And you believe lies. The least of the apostles. That I'm not meet. I'm not fit to be called an apostle. Because I persecuted the church of God. Did he say it? Verse 10, but, but, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace that was bestowed on me was not in vain, but I have labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Do you reckon that Paul really was? the least proud, least assuming and presuming individual could be on the planet in his where we are still benefiting from his ministry tonight. Is that right? How much grace are we talking about? How much revelation? How much anointing? How much grace? We're talking about enormous amounts of grace and revelation. What do we know? The proud don't get the grace. I've been able to be around a few individuals that I, I consider to be some of the strongest, most impressive spiritual individuals in the generation. And every one of them, every one of them without exception, you might not just see it and know it if you don't know what you're looking for, but they are humble. Not perfect, there's no, none of us that are, but it's there. Yes. They know who's helping them. Amen. The Lord gave me this phrase some years ago, and the further I go, the more I see how true it is. He said, Keith, I'm helping you more than you know. I'm helping you more than you realize. The nature of flesh is pride. And you know, and people 
whom, to whom God is not real to, then what they see is more real to them. And you'll have something great happen in your life and, and people will want to give you the credit. And your flesh will want to take it. But you're foolish if you do. Because you start taking the credit for something you didn't do. It's a lie. And now you're disqualifying yourself for more help in the future. Because the proud don't get the grace. If people start bragging on me. And giving me credit for something the Lord did. It bothers me. I don't like because I don't want you messing with my anointing. I don't want you messing with my grace. I, I know that without his grace, without his anointing. I actually, um, I had an experience back, I guess it was about the fifth or sixth year I was in the ministry. Because the Lord was ministering to me about this whole thing. And he said to me, he said, uh, I'm helping you more than you know. You don't realize how much of what you're able to do is me. How much I'm helping you. And I realized if I don't know, if I don't realize it, I can't be thankful for what I don't realize. And, uh, uh, you know, some graces you're born with. Other graces are added to you. When you're born again, when you're filled with the Spirit at different junctures or times in life, if you obey and, and keep going on with Him. And you'll see people in the world that are not even believers, but they have great talents. And actually, they are abusing a talent God gave them for His service. You can misuse what you've been graced to do. I from the time I was a little boy, I could get up in front of people and speak. Was never afraid. Wow. Never. I mean, I took a top hat and a cane when I was in kindergarten and performed for the whole class. <laughs> we had, there was a parliamentary procedure competition in uh, Kansas City one time, and we were there, and the group said, uh, we don't have anybody that um, can um, fill in for president this year. And they just all got quiet, looked around. I thought, I'll do it. I stepped up. I gave them a speech. They all voted for me. And <laughs> I, was, I was president. But that's a grace. I said, that's a grace. But if it's been with you your whole life, you're used to it. It's always been there. You can imagine, ask me. I can do that. Because it's just always been there. And so during that time, and music, I have a grace in that area. I can remember chords and notes, hundreds of thousands of them, all in line. I can remember words. It just, it just comes to me. It's not memory. It just comes up out of my spirit. You know, Brother Hagin, you ever, if you listen to his ministry, I mean, dear me, you hear him talk, tell dates? 
and things like that. He'd say, you know, the Lord said this and this to me, and that was back on February 12, and you remember that was a Tuesday, and you remember, I mean, and people would say, uh, people would say, he's got an amazing memory. He'd correct them. He'd say, no, that's not memorization. It comes right up out of my spirit. It's not memorizing things. It's a different, different thing. And so during that time, that five or six year point, I saw that. The Lord said to you, he said, you don't realize how much you're doing in ministry is me helping you. I said, well, Lord, I want to know. I, want, I don't want to be clueless. I don't want to be attributing something to me that is you. I want to know. I think I, I need to know. Now, I don't recommend you pray this because you'll hear what happened next. I was not expecting it. If the Lord leads you to pray it, then pray it. But don't do it just because I did. But a few days later, I was ministering in healing school twice a day. I was leading singing. I was writing songs. I'd go in there and speak for an hour and a half without any notes. I remember all the songs, all the chords, everything. Just used to doing it. And... uh, That morning in my office, it felt like the anointing came off of me. Now, don't go make a doctrine out of this. I'm telling you what I experienced. It felt like it came off of me, and I about panicked. I sat there, and in 20 minutes, I'm supposed to start speaking in the morning session of healing school. And it's just like I went just as blank and felt so helpless. And I thought, now come on, come on, boy, you do this every day. You're going to start with this. So what, what key we're going to play in? What, I couldn't think where to put my hands. I couldn't think what came next. I had no confidence to do it, I thought, well, that's not the main thing. If we need to, we'll just skip singing this morning. Uh, what scriptures? I couldn't remember the references. I couldn't think what went with what. I was like that for, I don't know, about a week and a half. I didn't do anything. I couldn't do the service. I didn't do anything for that week and a half. I stared out the window and, and about panic. And the anointing came back. The grace came back. No, the Holy Spirit didn't leave me. But these graces, these, all this help, and I tell you what, it made an impression on me to this day when I remember things and, and it flows and, and it works. I know He's helping me way more than I realize. And the more I'm aware of that and keep that in my mind, it helps me to even receive more help. The point where I start taking credit for it and thinking it's me is where he can give me no more. Because then then it's a lie. If I'm taking credit for something, it's him. It's a lie. Paul said, I'm less than the least of all the saints. I'm the least of the apostles, 
don't deserve, this is the NIV, 1 Corinthians 15, don't deserve even to be called an apostle. Did you hear that word deserve? This is such a key word. You don't deserve good things. This is not what's taught in the world. People leave the impression, well, because you're this or that, you, because you're on the planet, everybody deserves a good life. According to who? Based on what? Why do you deserve a good life? Did I lose somebody? Listen to this. God owes us nothing. He doesn't owe you gravity. He doesn't owe you oxygen. He doesn't owe you a heartbeat or a synapse in your brain. He owes you nothing. What do you mean, Brother Kid? Everything you have is a gift. It's grace. He didn't give it to you because it's owed to you. And one of the worst things that you can do in this world in life is get to thinking that God and other people owe you something. You talk about cutting off your help. Shutting off your grace. If you think someone owes you something, you have made it impossible for them to be gracious to you. What do you mean, Brother Keith? If they gave you something, you don't think it's a gift. They can't give you anything, you would take it as something that's owed. And wouldn't even be thankful. Why are we talking about this? More grace. Is anybody in here interested in more grace? Come on. How many would like to have ten times the anointing on your life? Reckon that make a difference in your world. How many would like to have twice the brightness of revelation and understanding? In your daily walk. Man, I've lived, and I know many of you the same way, I've lived in different levels of this. And there have been times I've been so slow and dull. And there have been other times I've been closer to God and more in the flow. And man, things come so fast, you you can't write them down, you can't keep up with them. It's just amazing. You're just seeing things and knowing things. And you don't have to try to figure it out. You just know what to do. You just know what to do about this, know what to do about that. No wrestling, no trying to figure it out. You're just flowing in the knowing. You function in the unction. And it's all grace. It's a gift. But if you get to thinking he owes it to you, you disqualify yourself. He does not owe people things in this world in life. Just because you're born and arrive on the planet doesn't mean you're owed a good life. People said, well, this world is not fair. No joke. No kidding. You just figured that out. 
The devil's the God of this world. He's a liar. He's a thief. He's a serial killer. This world is full of cruelty and injustice. And you get to thinking somebody owes you things. You're going to be a miserable man and a miserable woman. Because no matter what people do wind up doing for you, it'll never be enough. And you won't be thankful. And that, according to Romans 1, darkens your understanding. Unthankfulness dumbs you down. Thankfulness has the opposite effect. Thankfulness opens you up. Gives you more light. The Lord pointed this out to me. This is way back years ago. He said to me, I wrote it down. He said, don't talk, don't think, don't focus on what you don't know, what you don't have, and what you can't do. Don't talk about it. Don't look at it. Don't think about it. Don't focus on it. Why? Because all that's going to do is you're going to be Uh, you're not going to be thankful for what you don't have, what you can't do. You're going to see yourself as being mistreated or, you know, whatever. And you will forget about all that God has done for you. And anything you stop being thankful for, you're in danger of losing. To him that has, shall more be given. And the implication is that you appreciate it and utilize it. But to him that hath not, and that that means you you don't value it and you don't utilize it, uh, you'll lose even what you have. Am I quoting Jesus? Friend, it sounds so simple. But one of the greatest things you could ever do for yourself is get up in the morning thanking God. Lunchtime thanking God. Thanking God in the afternoon. Thanking God when the sun goes down. Thanking God when you lay your head on the pillow. No, you don't thank God for the works of the devil. But in the midst of trying times, is he there? Is he helping you? Do you have peace? Are you still breathing? You got something to thank God for. In his light, you will see more light. While you're th- I mean, you, you can start at the most basic. The devil will try to convince you. Your life is so awful. You have nothing. Other people have this, but you don't have it. And, and why can't you have this? And, and you don't know this. And you can't do this. And you don't have that. And it's just so terrible and hopeless. And you get to the point where you despair. You don't want to live anymore. Lies, lies, lies. But if you just go to the most basic thing. I'm saved. My name is in the Lamb's book of life. And you start thanking God for that. Next thing you know, you'll see something else. Next thing you know, you'll see something else. Next thing you keep doing that. And you keep doing that. You will get answers about the things you didn't see. You'll be shown how to get the thing you didn't have that you need. But it's in the vein of thankfulness. Which is humility. Humility is thankful. Pride is not thankful. Pride 
is unthankful. Hallelujah. Go to Hebrews, the 12th chapter, please. Hebrews 12. Oh, praise God, praise God. Does anybody want more grace? So what, what do you got to do? Is it all up to God? Are we just waiting on Him? We just need to beg Him and beg Him? No. No, there's a manward part to this. He told us. Who, who gets it? He said. Are you loaded? Dear heart. Are you stressed out? Huh? Come here. Come to me. And I'll give you some rest. But here's what you got to do. You got to learn about me. You got to learn who I am. I'm humble. You got to learn about this humble thing. That what why it allows him to give you the help that you need. Hebrews 12 and verse 14. He said, "Follow peace with all, and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord." Now back up. He didn't just say, "Go to heaven." He said, you won't see something. You won't see the Lord. Holiness is also a big part of the Lord's character, like humility. Verse 15, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. You can fail. Others say, fail to receive the grace of God. From what we've already seen, how in the world could that happen? That grace is given and made available, but you failed to receive it. You failed to enjoy it. You failed to experience it. How could that be? We already covered several scriptures. You got any clues as to how that might? He resists the proud. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. Is a bitter person thankful? No. See, you didn't even have to think about that, did you? If you're bitter about something, again and again, what does it have to do with? Why would you be bitter? Yeah, but more specifically, bitter about what? Again and again, it comes back to what somebody didn't do for you, didn't give you, didn't include you in, didn't make you a part of. And you hear people say, well, I served faithfully in there for 10 years. And then that other person walked in off the street and they just put them in that position. And I, I, and I just, I just knew it was going to be mine. I deserve it. That's why you didn't get it. If you believe you deserve it, you disqualify yourself. Even if somebody was trying to be gracious to you and gave it to you, you don't think they gave you a gift. You think they gave you your due. That's what we said. If, if you think somebody owes you something, you make it impossible yes. 
for them to be gracious to you, including God. Nobody will be saved because they've been so good. They've been so obedient. They've been so righteous. Nobody. Nobody. That means they could be saved without what Jesus did. Everybody that'll be saved will be so because they humbled themselves and acknowledged, I couldn't cut it. I couldn't make it. I couldn't do it. Mine wasn't enough, never would be. But I will humble myself and receive the free gift that I did not earn, that I don't deserve. The Lord doesn't owe me forgiveness, salvation. He doesn't owe me a place that he, a mansion that he's building in glory. He doesn't owe me a place in the ministry. He owes me none of this. He owes you none of this. Oh, but if you'll receive it. I said, if you'll acknowledge that you don't deserve, you need to get that word out of your vocabulary. Where it pertains to you. I deserve, I deserve, I deserve. That's how you cut yourself off from grace. You know, we've had people tell us in the ministry when good things happen, you know, oh man, you know, y'all deserve it. Y'all deserve. Immediately I go, uh uh-uh, uh, nope, 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 nope. Mm-mm. I mean, to me, that's it's almost like a cuss word. Just... Actually, a lot of cuss words are less serious than this. If you believe you do, you're about to be experience less grace. That's right. I want. <laughs> I think we're on the right channel. We're on the same channel. I want more, more, more grace. Oh, somebody say more grace, more grace, more grace. He said that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Hebrews twelve. 15, that's the New Living Translation. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. A root of resentment. Well, why don't they call me? Why have they ever invited me out to eat? Why, why, well, why should they? Who are you? Well, I've been, I've been, I've been. Then, see, you think it's owed to you. You think some attention, some promotion, some acknowledgement is owed to you. And you believe a lie. Is it a privilege to do anything for the Lord? Whether anybody ever knows your name or not. Come on, is it a privilege of your life? I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. Than to dwell in the tents and the high rise of wicked, right? Why? Because it is so much more important. It has eternal significance. And no matter who doesn't know you, he knows you. Is that right? And he is, the Bible said, he is not unrighteous to forget what you do. And whatever good thing any man does, the same will he receive. Of the Lord. You talk about keeping good books. He keeps good books. 
And if you work hard and you do a bunch of things and uh, nobody notices you and nobody acknowledges you or gives you anything or somebody else even gets some of the credit for what you did, then you'll find out about your pride. Woo! Don't you let it bother you, child of God, because the scripture says some things come out in this life, others cannot be hidden. The accolades that happen now are so temporary. People will forget about them tomorrow. What's better is if nobody knows and it comes out after this life and the Lord brings it up. Hallelujah. That's forever. Glory to God. If you're bitter or I'm bitter about something, we have cut ourselves off from the grace and help of God in that area. And without his help, you won't make it. It'll get worse and worse and worse. Do not let yourself sit around thinking about, talking about, focusing on what you don't have, what you don't know, what you can't do, and especially what other people are not doing for you. Or what they, even if they said they were going to do it, and they don't do it, still, they're not your source. Is that right? Even if they lied, even if they took something, still, you do not have to let it steal your joy and steal your peace. The Lord can and will help you far beyond what they could have ever done. We've seen it. We've experienced it. <laughs> there was a, there's a, a hangar, airplane hangar, that I spied years ago down in Florida where, where the church is there that I thought, man, that would be a dream to have that. And um, for years we were in much smaller stuff and and it was one of the best ones on the field. And uh, we put our faith on it. Didn't tell folks and didn't announce it in service, but just put our faith on it and sowed seed. And we had for years. And man, it worked out. I won't go into all the details, but it worked out supernatural. The Lord gave Phyllis a word of knowledge. And she contacted the owner, and it was ours. We had a contract. They, they agreed to it for a great price. And... Uh, the next day, some people took it away from us. Just, you know, the people that had some control of some of the authority things, they just came in and took it away from us. And uh, as you might imagine, it didn't set well. We had a contract. We could have fought. We could have took it to court. And it's something I, we'd been believing for for years. And I was so excited to get it. And now... Phyllis and I pulled into the parking lot of the place and we sat there and we talked about what are we going to do and and uh, the Lord spoke to me. Oh, thank you, Lord! How many thank God for the Holy Spirit? Oh, I don't mean I heard an audible voice now inside me like He'll speak to any Christian if you learn how to listen. He said, "This is not over. This is not over." That brightened up my day right there. I thought. This is not over. This is not over. And then immediately after that he said, but see to it 
that you do not speak against these people. See to it that you do not speak against them. That you don't. And I, I, Phyllis and I talked about it. She had the same thing when I brought it up to her. And she said, yeah, I got the same thing in my heart. What does that mean? We don't even tell anybody what they did. And if somebody brings it up to us, we don't say anything negative about them. Not one word. And we turned around and drove off. And years passed. Everybody say years. years. And we didn't, tell, we didn't tell our board. We didn't tell anybody around us. And there were some things that came up here and there. And people asked us about them. And I'm, I'm sure they thought we thought they were great people. Because the Lord had told us don't you say anything <laughs> bad about. And they tried to put a business in there. And we didn't know it. But the Lord dealt with us one morning to check on it. Years later. And um, come to find out they were losing it. That week. They were, that business was going, it, it didn't work. And how many know it doesn't pay to do something against ministries and churches? And, and uh, we called the people that had done this wrong, and they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, everything's fine. And, and uh, within a couple of weeks, it was ours. But if you get to thinking, you rascal, you this, you owe me. You told me. Can you see what I'm talking about? See, see what the Spirit of God prompted us? Don't, don't say anything. Don't say anything negative about them. Because he wanted to be gracious to us. And add it to us anyway. And the way he did it was even far better than what we had thought. And, and it didn't hurt us to wait a little bit. We were able to do some other things. God is able to make all grace abound towards you so that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work who gets it who gets it who gets it only the humble not the proud go to Romans 12 I'm thinking about starting to close it crossed my mind I'll say it like that <laughs> but there's something else we need to touch on. Romans 12. We looked at this, but I want us to go further with it. Oh, there's so much here, but getting the spirit of it's the main thing. Romans 12. We saw this, verse 1. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I say through the grace given me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. He didn't say, don't think highly of yourself. God values you. He says you are important and precious. He paid the highest price for you of anything that's ever been paid. So you are important. But what did he say? Don't think more highly than what you ought, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. The Amplified says, 
I warn everyone among you not to estimate and think of himself more highly than he ought. Rate his ability with sober judgment according to the degree of faith apportioned by God to him. The NIRV says, be reasonable when you think about yourself. Keep in mind the amount of faith God has given you. Another one says, think sensibly. Another one says, be honest. As God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. This thinking more highly of yourself than you ought is directly connected with what kind of faith you imagine you have. The degree of your faith. Can you see this, child? And he said, I warn you, I warn you. Now, we've been pastoring a number of years now, decades now, and I see it, we've seen it with some of our own folks, we've seen it with other people, numerous people who lost the battle with physical problems, died young, died early, people that lost their possessions, lost houses, lost things that shouldn't have, and there can be numerous things that are involved in that, but one of the things is this, acting like your faith is at a place that it's not. Can you see this? Acting like your faith is at a place that it's not. We don't receive according to God's power or according to God's ability or even according to the perfect will of God. We receive according to our faith. Our faith. And Jesus talked to people and sometimes he said, how is it that you have no faith? Other times he says, little faith. And only twice, two times, did he say, whoa, that is big faith. Anybody remember the two times? Which ones were there? Two individuals. The centurion concerning his servant and the Syrophoenician woman concerning her daughter. Let's see if we can find anything in common with these two individuals. I hear people quoting it already. Matthew 8 and 8. Matthew 8, 8. The centurion replied, he said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant will be healed. The NIV says, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come. But if you would, I'm a commander. I give orders and they're followed. And I'm I'm paraphrasing now. I acknowledge you have authority over all of this. If you will just give the command, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve you even take the time coming to my house, see me. Just from from over there, from a distance, would you please give the command? Jesus said, whoo boys, now that's what I'm talking about. I hadn't seen faith like this in the whole country. Did he say it? Can you see a reason why? See, faith is inseparable from grace. 
You'd have no faith except for the grace of God. There's nothing to receive except what grace has given. And who's going to get the grace? So who's going to wind up with the greater faith? The humble every time. The Syrophoenician woman, we talked about this earlier, but do you remember that she cried after them and got no response? And, and finally the Lord said, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And I mean, first of all, he had said, I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So he said, I'm not sent to your folks. I'm not sent to your kind of people. And then he said, uh, it's not right to take it and throw it to dogs. Well, who's a dog in this scenario? And a lot of people, oh, their pride could not handle it. They'd say, dog? Who are you calling a dog, preacher? And I'll tell you one thing. We Syrophoenicians just as good as you Jews, bless God. And she could have given him a piece of her mind and told him off and left without. Why is she in the Bible? Why is she in the Bible? And one of only two that ever got the rating great faith big faith she said truth Lord you're telling the truth yet the little dogs under the table they get the scraps all I need is a scrap of this he said woman great is your faith woman great is your faith be it unto you hallelujah hallelujah you believe. Glory to God. Somebody say glory to God. But this doesn't happen by overestimating yourself and what you know and what you think you can do. When it comes to healing, I've spent a big part of my adult life teaching and preaching healing. Big part. It was, I ate, slept, drank, breathed it for decades and still love it. But our group has some wrong ideas. Wrong ideas. And it's not because it's too complicated. It's the enemy. He is continually trying to feed pride and condemnation and fear. Did you hear me, child? Yeah. And so you'll have a lot of faith people, word people, they won't take medicine or they won't have a procedure. Like that would heal you. Not taking medicine never healed anybody. Not having a procedure never healed anybody. If that healed people, you could just get everybody to throw their medicine away and they'd be healed. What is that? I, I had a good friend of mine. He's going home to be with the Lord now, but elder minister, when I was just in the ministry about 10 years, he had already been in the ministry 50 years. I'm not talking about Brother Hagin. I'm talking about somebody else. And wonderful man of God. We became friends and we'd have conversations sometimes, have lunch together sometimes. He developed, at this point he was already in his late 70s, I guess, and he had developed a physical thing and it had just been bothering him for, I mean, five plus years and just got worse and worse and worse. And, and the doctors recommended he have a procedure and this and that, but he wouldn't do it. And uh, I noticed it and it bothered me. And I thought, well, why does that bother me? And 
And it just kept bothering me. Every time I'd hear about it or think about it, something bothered me. How many know you can say all the right things and not be in faith? You can quote scriptures, you can say all the right things and not be in faith. Saying something is not automatically faith. And uh, good, wonderful man. So I asked him about, I'm, I'm his way, his junior, five, ten years in the ministry, five or ten, he's 50, and uh, you don't want to say too much, you, you'll be out of your place, and so I ask questions, did you hear that? Yes. I'm asking, not telling, not trying to teach, not trying to correct, just asking a question. I said, well, what what they say? And he's kind, and, and, you know, sincere, he said, well, they said they could do this, and it would probably just straighten it right up. And I said, so you, you don't feel like you should. He said, no, I don't want to use means. And uh, I said, okay, I understand. He said, I, I don't want to displease the Lord. I want to use my faith. I said, yes, sir, I understand. So weeks pass, months passed. He gets worse. Here's one thing about faith. Yes. It works. It produces results. And so something's not working. And so finally, the Lord, in a time of prayer, he showed me this. And so I got a little bit bolder and I asked him again. And he said, well, I, he said, I don't want to use means. I don't want to use means. I said, yes, sir, I understand. I said, well, what about this, though? I said, uh, you ever get a splinter in your finger? He said, well, sure. I said, uh, what'd you do? He said, well, I, usually what I do, he said, yeah, I get some alcohol and a needle and some tweezers, you know. And I get it out. And I said, isn't that means? Isn't that using some, I mean, tweezers or instruments? Alcohol, I mean, you could call that a, a surgery. Right? You could call that an operation. A procedure. He said, well, yeah, I I guess you could. I said, why didn't you just believe God for it to dematerialize? Well, he said, you know, it seemed fine to do it. I said, yeah. Would it be that much different from them helping you with this? He said, hmm. Hmm. And that was all I needed to say. So conversation was over for the day. And <laughs> a few weeks later, he told me he, he didn't think there'd be anything wrong with doing that procedure. And he had it. Solved the problem. Solved the problem. Went for years. Enjoyed good health. And that thing not bothering him until he went home to be with the Lord. We shouldn't automatically be averse to using some natural thing that could help us. Why would we have to labor so hard over it when we're not doing it consistently in all these other areas? We've had too many people that could have gotten some help and they didn't. And they waited and waited and waited and waited and waited and waited until 
you know, it was far worse than it would have been. There's only one way to get these things right. Not to say the doctors have all the answers. You know they don't. And, and they're not the healer. But we don't have to labor so hard over using a natural thing. I mean, you don't think a problem about grabbing a Band-Aid and slapping it on there. Some alcohol or some whatever the case might be. Or like we said, getting that splinter out. Well, why make such a big deal out of the other? And the Lord even said this to me today. This virus... COVID-19. The bigger name is the Novel Coronavirus of 2019. That's where the 19 comes from. It's the year. And we've got Christians, I got friends, ministers that have gotten the coronavirus. And uh, some of them have felt so bad because they got it. And of course, it's best not to get it. No question. God's highest and best is definitely not to get it. But in many areas of our life, we haven't operated at God's highest and best. And the word uh, novel. Coronavirus, novel means new. New. And the Lord quickened to me, for me to actually do this, to ask you, how many of you have ever experienced cold or flu symptoms in your lifetime? Well, this coronavirus, that's what it is. It's a different strain of that. Why be way more condemned about having to deal with some of that because it's a new one. Why be more condemned over a new virus than an old virus? See, it's, it's lies and trickery of the enemy to condemn you. And what you don't realize is that it's pride. Because think about these operation things. What people, maybe they don't even see it, but what they're saying is, without saying it, I don't have to do what other people do. Okay. Yeah. yeah, other people have to have treatments, but I don't. Really? Why? Because you think your faith is way out beyond theirs. And if it is, hallelujah. And if it is, we'll see the results. But if it's not, you'd have been so much better off to not harbor all that fear. We've seen people that should have had operations. And they didn't, and they called it faith, but it wasn't faith. It was because they were afraid to have the operation. Or they were afraid of how much it might cost. They were afraid of the money, the cost. Or they were afraid of actually, you know. I mean, who wants to go be operated on? Nobody just wants to do that. Huh? And people say, well, you know, I want to believe God. You don't let them roll you in there without you believing God. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? No, it ain't believe God or 
have the procedure. If you go, we, we have seen amazing, I've seen deaf ears open right up. I've seen broken bones instantly knit back together right under my hand. I've seen growths just instantly disappear. But I've also seen amazing miracles where we prayed with somebody and we said, Lord, we ask your hand on these surgeons. We, we pray your hand on the nurses. We ask your hand on this equipment and on every instrument. Uh, help them to get good rest tonight and help them to be brighter than they've ever been. Keep them back from making any mistakes or causing any harm or damage. Anything they hadn't thought about, reveal it to them. Help them to do of the best work they have ever done. I've been in hospitals where that kind of thing has happened. We prayed it. I've seen the doctor when he came out smiling like the cat that got the canary. I just knew when I saw his face, he has done some of the best work he has ever done. And he may not know why, but God graced him or her in the operating room. The grace of God came on their mind, their eyes, their hands, and then the head of the church, when he appeared to Brother Hagin in one of those visions talking about this, he told him this. He says, when any of my people have procedures, well, just saying that lets you know it could be okay to have one. Why? Because it's according to your faith. Couldn't he do it without it? He can do all kind of things without all kind of things. But we don't receive according to what he can do. He said, anytime any of my people have operations, procedures, ask me to speed up the healing process. You know, your body, if it's healthy, it will heal up at a certain normal rate. He said, ask me to speed it up, to increase it. He, he can increase it twofold, threefold, tenfold. And that's how you see people just heal up supernaturally fast and supernaturally whole. And, and precise, accurate, perfectly and quickly. Well, how do I know what to do, Brother Keith? Only one way. Seek the Lord in all your ways. Acknowledge Him. And He'll direct your path because He, better than anybody else, including your own self, knows where your heart is right now and where your faith is right now. And He'll direct you what to do and where to do and how to do it. And what you do, you you got to get rid of the fear. You can't just make confessions and stay full of fear all the time. That's trying to act like you're at a place where your faith is not. Think about, okay, if I do this, uh, what kind of witness do I have? If I don't do it, what kind of witness do I have? And you keep praying and looking at it and praying in the Spirit until you get a witness. And if you know that you know that you don't need it, well, okay, that's one thing. But don't pretend. Pretending is deadly. Y'all with me, folks? Don't pretend. Don't pretend like your faith is at a different place with your finances. Don't pretend like your faith is at a different place in any area. Don't esteem yourself more highly than you ought to. And step out and believe for something. Even though it might seem like a low level to somebody else, don't compare yourself with anybody else. You don't know. It may not be like they're portraying it to be. They may have some pride problem there. So just, just believe what's real to you. And the next thing you know, you'll be able to believe for something bigger. And it'll grow and you, you'll begin to advance. And 
What used to seem impossible to you will seem fully within reach. Can you say amen? Can you say glory to God? Can you say thank you, Lord? You know, the, the prophet told, uh, was it King Hezekiah, told him to use a poultice. You remember that? A poultice. Told Timothy to use some wine for his stomach. Why would they tell him things like that? You got to be led by the Spirit every day in every situation. Don't make any hard and fast rules and forget about what somebody might think. Yeah, but I teach healing. Yeah, but yeah, but I this and I I that. That's how you die young. That's how you get cut off from help. You got to forget about all that. Trying to impress somebody, trying to act like you're in a place where you're not. No, do what's real to you. People that care about you will rejoice that you have any kind of a victory, some kind of a victory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. I want you to stand on your feet. I want us to pray in the spirit just a minute about this. Oh, hallelujah. I'm thinking of testimonies, uh, amazing things that happened where people had a surgery, where people had a treatment, where people had something. Thanks be to God. Said out loud, Father God, help me to see pride in my life. You hate it, so I hate it. Help me to see it so I can get rid of it. Get it out of me. Stop yielding to it. Stop giving place to it. Help me to be realistic. Honest about where I am right now, on any given time, in any given situation. Help me to realize and be honest and be humble and be genuine and be real and not do a foolish thing, a phony thing, a fake thing. Help me to pray in the Spirit and get direction right now for what's going on in my life right now. Direction from you. Yes. Yes. Just keep your eyes closed and listen. The same thing applies to your finances. You got people trying to believe for, you know, the most expensive car out there, and they never believed for a used car. They've never believed God for a lawnmower. You got folks trying to believe for a 10-room mansion, and they never believed for an apartment. And that's why year after year goes by, and they still seem far from it. You must start where you are. Yeah, but God can do anything. Yeah, but you don't receive according to what God can do. You receive according to your faith. Sit out loud. Lord, open my eyes. Help me to see where my faith is right now. 
in finances, in material things, with clothes, houses, vehicles, any of these things, all of these things, in any area that I've played games or pretended, forgive me, help me to realize it and learn the difference between what's real faith and what is pretend faith. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I heard these words. When you quit pretending, the pressure comes off. When you stop comparing yourself with others, the load lifts off. When you stop trying to be something you're not, when you stop speaking lofty words that are not real unto you, you'll find rest unto your soul, for you'll find reality, reality in God, reality in faith, and reality in results. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, the most, one of the most fatiguing things in the world is keeping up a front, trying to maintain a front. Oh, it's exhausting. It's totally fatiguing and exhausting. We're stopping all that. By the help and grace of God, we're stopping all that. Amen. Amen. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.